What's going on, Nuggets fans? There's only one place that you can get a true Colorado Mountain Pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. And guess what? Bojo's has given the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. The dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener and it is to die for. Although we don't encourage actually dying for it. You don't have to. You can just you can just go and buy it. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, large delicious mountain pies for the entire family. A huge salad bar with fresh veggies that you can dump a bunch of ranch and bacon on if you're like Adam Mares and you don't know how to make an actual salad. They've got Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews. And hey, they've got all your favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options. So head to the nearest location, grab an entree, and your free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's bojos.com. Tell them who sent you. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the DNVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by Illegal Pete's. That's right. Denver's home for the best burritos, tacos, nachos, and so much more. Illegal Pete's is offering the DNVR family an incredible deal. If you guys are heading to any game or any event, stop by an Illegal Pete's before or after you go. That same day of your event, just show them your ticket. You'll get a free draft beer or a free margarita with the purchase of of a full-size entree. I kind of wish it was a home game, Ryan, and I kind of wish folks could go to an illegal pizza right now to celebrate. Uh, that's Ryan Blackburn that I'm talking to of Denver Stiffs, my old colleague, my old buddy. What's up, Ryan? How you been, man? Not, not much, man. How are you doing? It's a great win. Great win tonight. Uh, nice to get on podcast with you guys. Nice to get on podcast with you specifically. Miss our conversations, miss our, miss our times together, but you guys are doing great things at DNVR, so really happy for you guys. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And we are obviously hoping for nothing but the best for Denver Stiffs and you specifically. I just, uh, looking at my Skype, it's been a year since we've done this, a year since we've called each other. So too long, a, my friend. I am. I'm, I'm really bad about reconnecting with, uh, with everybody, but it's, it's, it is what it is. We, I'm glad we're talking now. Um, this game was, was awesome, man. I, I'm so, I'm so pumped for, for what's in store for this Nuggets team when they get back and healthy. Just so many different pieces. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think sometimes, obviously when, when a team is so injured, a stretch like this can be depressing, but after a game like that, a a feel good win, right? It's, you're sort of like, yeah, okay. There's this team can win, uh, not necessarily at full strength. And now I'm just excited to see them get back there. Um, this game had a little bit of everything, dude. Zion versus MPJ. Zion and Jokic guarding each other. Some five cool. four pick, <laughs> some five four pick and rolls with Grant and Jokic. Really, really exciting game. Uh, just what stood out to you, man? If you had to pick one note right off the top, what's your big takeaway from that game? Well, first thing would probably be Nikola Jokic really asserting his dominance 
at the start mm. of that game and then throughout the third quarter. He, he kind of tailed off at the end, but even when the Pelicans decided to play Zion at the five, they really wanted to attack Jokic in the middle of the floor. And the Nuggets, for all, for all the problems that they've had scoring the ball this year in the fourth quarter and at various times when Jokic is on or, or off the floor, that fourth quarter, they really dried up offensively. And they also kept super stout defense defensively or that's that's what that is uh and Jokic was a major part of that he he stonewalled Zion a couple of times uh rotated off of certain pieces Gary Harris was flying around uh I was really concerned that Denver couldn't defend the Pelicans going into this one and the Pelicans shot 44 percent from three and the Nuggets still held them to a reasonable total just really impressed with Jokic both offensively and defensively tonight. Jokic was great defensively tonight. Four steals, obviously just one block, but it did feel like he was disrupting, you know, more than one shot attempt around the rim, just totally dialed in. I I, I don't know if you share this thought. I think it's somewhat popular in Nuggets Nation, but I've always found that when it gets down to crunch time, Jokic is actually a pretty good defender, particularly positionally when he's not being stretched, but he just has um, a knack for getting his hands in there, whether that's on the glass to disrupt a shot or to break up a pass when it matters most. Yeah, Jokic in the fourth quarter, just he's a massive difference. He just knows how to be in the best position to cut off driving lanes for guards, make things really difficult for guys, even when they're trying to isolate on him. There are a lot of teams that try and get the switch on him, uh, even though teams like the Warriors and the Lakers may be able to take advantage of him in some cases. There, there are very few teams that can do that on a consistent basis. And against everybody else, he does such a great job of making sure to stay in front of his guy. So just really impressed with what I've seen from Jokic in clutch time thus far. Thus far. And uh, more, more is in store for the Nuggets in the playoffs. And I hope that Jokic can, can lead Denver deep into the playoffs because of it. It was nice to see not just Jokic, but the team as a whole really buckle down defensively. It's It's been in a free fall since Millsap went down, and part of it, Ryan, has been their inability to protect the glass, right? The defensive glass. We know that that's going to be an issue with Grant in there, typically alongside Jokic. Grant, of course, averaging, I think, just 3.4 rebounds a game this season, but the whole team was great on the glass tonight. I, Grant had three offensive rebounds. Or, I'm sorry, six offensive rebounds. Jokic had seven. Craig had three. The Nuggets averaged just about 10 as a team. They had 24 tonight for over 30 second chance points. I think just the marker of a team that looked at this matchup and said, you know what we're not going to do tonight is lose to the Pelicans a third time. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be that was going to be the big hustle play for Denver. They were really hustling everywhere and Grant was a big part of it and I've I've maintained this throughout his time in Denver that sometimes it just takes time to get a, adjusted to Jokic and and when you're still getting comfortable you tend to float a little bit on the perimeter. You're not necessarily super involved and clearly Grant was super involved tonight. Six offensive rebounds. That was one of the big keys when when discussing whether Grant could be a great fit next to Jokic. And I think over the course of these last few games, they, they've grown much more accustomed to playing together. And while Grant only shot 5 of 14, he's, he still had nine rebounds total, five assists. 
A uh, lot to like about what Grant did and a lot to like about what Torrey Craig did as well. He's drawn a lot of the ire from Nuggets fans and, and Nuggets media at times, but it has been it was it was a really, really important performance from Craig tonight, matching up with Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, guys like that. Yeah, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 3 on the offensive end, as we uh, mentioned. 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep. Obviously, if Torrey can shoot like that from 3, it's going to be much easier to play with those starters alongside Jokic. What have you seen from from Craig alongside Grant Jokic during this stretch? Ice, are you in the same boat as, as most other people here, which is you recognize what, what Craig can do defensively, but you're not sure... It, if you're there for it with the cost that it cut, you know, it brings offensively and what it does to the flow of those starters. Yeah. I, I've never really liked that pairing. And so much of it is because the nuggets have ever really struggled with their guards so far this year in terms of generating consistent offense. So that means you have to have efficient forwards, efficient shooters and Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant just don't really represent that most of the time. Uh, Craig before this game was shooting 24% from three, and that's just not going to get it done in a lineup next to Jokic. Jokic has to have driving lanes. He has to have the ability to play inside and out. And when guys can't shoot around him, it makes it so much more difficult. And I, I'm really impressed with Craig. When, when he can hit three of six from three, if he could consistently just, just hit two of six or three of six or two of four, uh, even one of three on occasion. It just changes the game so much when the opposing team has to respect his three-point shot. And when he gets a wide-open shot like he did in, in the the closing minutes this game, he had a, a really wide-open shot that J.J. Redick just let him shoot. And he mm. measured it for a couple of seconds and let it fly, and it was, it was right down the pipe. And when he can do that, he provides so much more value. He hasn't done it so far, and that's been one of the reasons why they've struggled. Does it give you any confidence that he can build off of this or that unit can build off of this? And I guess to rephrase it, simply what I'm asking, Ryan, going forward with these injuries, do you like Craig starting or do you think maybe it should be, we? I'll say, Michael Porter Jr.? Oh, man, that's it's so tough. And when you don't have Jamal Murray, things change so much. And, and maybe this is the way that the Nuggets just have to do it. They have to play through Nikola Jokic pretty much every time and then surround him with a bunch of defenders. Um, I don't know. I, I know people would want to see Michael Porter Jr. on a consistent basis. I think that this matchup specifically against the Pelicans with Zion Williamson, a power forward, you had to have Jeremy Grant there. Uh, Brandon, Ing Brandon Ingram at small forward, you had to have Torrey Craig there. Uh, that That's more of a matchup basis, and I don't know if that's going to continue going forward, but... So far, it, it, it worked tonight. It hasn't worked in the past, and I, I tend to take the large sample size over it. So I think that they're going to eventually need to change this. But in a, in a game like this, it, it worked. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff from Craig. Uh, you mentioned that Ingram matchup. How good was Grant in that matchup? And, and it's interesting because Fantastic. Paul Millsap, who, who is obviously – the anchor of this team defensively. I think at the center of all they do well when they're playing well on that end, he has not matched up well with Brandon Ingram. Uh, remember that first game of the season, he got oh, yeah. absolutely torched. Second so, game too. Yeah, you'd exact. So you'd love to be full strength, but, but I would say maybe there's something to that, right? That, that part of holding him back 
and part of holding the Pelicans in check was having Grant there. Yeah, it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise to not have Paul Millsap for this game because Grant played 37 minutes. He was he led the team with a plus 10. He had a steal and a block, but I don't think that really encapsulated just how great of a defensive impact he had. Brandon Ingram only shot 3 of 11 th- from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. That's that's really important. And when you when you talk about the ability to switch on the perimeter, the ability to mirror guys one-on-one, Denver doesn't have a lot of guys like that, a lot of lengthy athletes that can really go at it with those tall wings. And we've seen it a couple of, a few games ago against Kawhi Leonard, where Jeremy Grant really shadowed him well. Uh, we've seen it against Brandon, Brandon Ingram now. So I think that's a matchup that Denver is going to be comfortable deploying in the playoffs. And that's really where it's going to be most useful is when Grant can really get after it when defending some of those big wings. And they're going to come. They're going to have to play James Harden and maybe even Brandon Ingram or uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, guys like that. Just they're they're a ton of like top scoring wings that are really tall in the Western Conference. So Jeremy Grant just provides such a a great piece to match up with them consistently. It'll be interesting. I'm sure there will be some games in which he's closing over Millsap in the playoffs, depending on that matchup uh, for that very reason. You, you mentioned that, you know, it takes time to learn to play with Nikola Jokic. Do you think that in this short stretch, I, I guess we could call it an audition for Grant, you've seen some growth for him and how he's playing alongside Jokic and what they're looking to do together? Uh, I, I guess where's your confidence level at when looking at Grant and projecting, you know, the future and him being maybe the potential starting power forward of the future? My confidence wavered a little bit, uh, kind of. At, at around game 30, game 35, where it just really wasn't working. The the net rating with those guys when they're both on the floor just wasn't great. And especially that starting lineup, that, that Murray, Harris, Barton, Grant, Jokic lineup, it wasn't great and it couldn't defend and they weren't scoring at the level that I thought that they could. And I think one of the reasons for that was just the comfort level with a guy like that. Grant is a dynamic player. He he has the ability to take guys off the dribble, has the ability clearly to offensive rebound and, and jump with the best of them. But as we've seen over these last few games, Jokic and Grant are, are really starting to develop that chemistry. Uh, in semi-transition, Jokic and Grant running a 5-4 pick and roll that's ended with a couple of lob attempts to to Jeremy Grant right at the rim. That's a super impressive, super interesting play that Denver, if they can consistently get that to go, then I don't know how you stop that as an opposition. So uh, it, it was always going to take time. It took more time than I thought it was going to, but they seem to be finding some sort of rhythm. And I really do think that next to Michael Porter Jr., who has a lot of size, he can do a lot of the scoring and rebounding next to Grant. If Grant's the guy who you can deploy and defend against tall wings like Luka Doncic, uh, all the guys that I mentioned previously, then maybe that works. I I really do like the Porter-Grant-Jokic trio going forward and think that's a big piece of what Denver can do. Yeah, especially if Grant is going to focus on the glass. We know Malone has sort of called him out a couple of times that he's needed to be better. Grant's never been a strong rebounder, but in these last six games... 37 rebounds so a guy who I think on the season and about at his career three and a half rebounds a game he's doubling that over these last six so I 
that's obviously not a huge number, but I think it's reflective of him trying hard to sort of mitigate a deficiency and do what he can to plug into that lineup. So more and more hope for Grant for me. Uh, This stretch has been somewhat encouraging in that regard. And another example of the, I guess you could call them silver linings, for lack of a better term, with non-serious injuries. Every time this happens to Denver, we learn something new about the team. So it'd be a real treat to be learning now that Grant is in fact a good fit. And take a quick break, Ryan. Uh, Talk about our friends at Breck Brewery. I'm not going to talk about a specific beer today because I'm going to talk about something that I can't get too specific about. If you follow DNVR Nuggets or the Breckenridge Brewery handle, you may have seen they teased something, and I'll leave it that vague, something having to do with a crossover of two of my favorite things. If you're listening to this very podcast right now, this is going to be right up your alley. Keep your eyes peeled to Breck Brew and, and their digital team. Um, they have a really cool, fun, exciting announcement that I think is going to have to do with your with the boys and girls at DNVR as well. So can't get too specific, but I got to shout out Breck. If you're talking Colorado, if you're talking beer, you got to be talking about our friends at Breck. And now a quick word about from Piper Electric. Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area since 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance. Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor that you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. All right, I'm back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Brandon Vogt on the line with Ryan Blackburn, site manager at Denver Stiffs, and a good buddy of mine personally. Ryan, what did you see from Michael Porter Jr. tonight? We got the MPJ-Zion matchup that we were supposed to get at Summer League, no go. We were supposed to get Christmas, no go. We got it tonight. (laughs) Your thoughts on what you saw, not just MPJ, I'll open it up to both young phenoms. You know, and they both demonstrated exactly why they are uh, looked so favor favorably upon as stars going forward. Uh, let's start with Zion because I think that that's where people really like. That's that's a that's a big piece of this and somebody who people think could be a generational superstar. He had 15 points in 21 minutes, seven of nine from the field. He ha- he just has this immense athleticism. Did you happen to catch the block? Uh, the the actual <laughs> ball. Did you happen? Yeah. Did you happen to catch the ball from Smoothie King Center that he sent from Malik Beasley's layup into the twenty-seventh row? I had my hands up just in case it traveled all the way to Denver. <laughs> did you see the dude in the first row who snaked it with one hand though? Pretty smooth. Uh, oh, there you go. I, I didn't see that. That's a good catch. Uh, but hey, well, Zion the details, just, right? <laughs> Zion led them with a plus sixteen and plus minus in just twenty-one minutes, and New Orleans lost by seven. So it it's just shows the immense impact that he has while he's out there, how they can surround him with the athletes and the the playmakers that they have to help him create some shots. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do throughout his career. I don't know if he and Brandon Ingram fit. I think that that's, that's going to be an interesting conversation going forward. And maybe they need a floor spacing center if they're going to play those guys. But 
really interesting to see Zion play. He could be a top five player as soon as three, four years from now. So looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, Watching him, Ryan, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Just just watching Zion, all I could think was, you know, especially without Millsap, Denver doesn't really have anyone to guard him. I mean, he's too big for Grant, for Craig, right? Definitely too quick for Yoke. Um, and and, he, and he's as big and strong as Yoke. I mean, when they were leaning on each other, I was like, <laughs> that's unstoppable force meets a movable object right True, there. But 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just an obvious nightmare pro- matchup problem on the court. Yeah, and even, even Millsap, I don't know if you would be able to compete with them uh, quickness-wise and, and being able to leap the way that Zion does. Uh, he's going to be a, na- a matchup nightmare going forward for the entire NBA. I don't know if there are right, yeah. three, Might not be a three players. Problem. I don't know if there are three <laughs> players in the NBA who can guard him. I would guess uh, Giannis and Kawhi are probably at the top of that list. But beyond them, it's it's a it's a really tough ask for anybody. I thought that Grant did a decent job tonight, at least limiting him to nine shots. That's a that's a big deal when you've got a mismatch like that. Uh, he only he. Missed his only three that he attempted while Jokic sagged off of him. He won a four from the from the free throw line. So, lot to like about him. Lot to to clean up going forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's never going to he's never going to be a three point assassin. Though he did start four or four in his career. Uh, uh, let's move to Michael Porter Jr. because I think that that's also a a really interesting piece of this he was five of 15 three of seven from three still shot 42 percent from three that's a that's a really big indicator here that it's it's not all that's it's not all bad that he only shot five of 15 but this was the first real game in a long time that he didn't shoot efficiently from two-point range and i tend to think just with the way that he's shot over his entire career so far that that's an aberration as opposed to the norm um, five of 15 is, is not really representative of, of the, the player that he is, especially with where he gets a lot of those shots had a yes. one off balance, like transition shot. But other than that, he's getting to the room. I thought that he, I thought tonight was the first night I really felt like, okay, he's forcing it out there. And part of what made his night less efficient, as you just mentioned, you know, he's actually, he's getting a lot of these points near or around the rim or through these second chance point opportunities, right? In the paint. Right. I thought tonight he settled for the jumper a little bit. Um, oh, but yeah. I'm with you that I'm with you that it, it you know, I, I'm not worried about five for 15 at all. The three for seven is really kind of what matters. Um, but yeah, I thought that was the case that he, he was settling and in nights prior, we've seen him take it to the rack a lot more confidently, a lot more frequently, um, and that's part of what makes him such a potentially lethal and efficient scorer going forward. Yeah, just looking at his shot chart here, he shot one of five in the in the restricted area. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. Like that dude just has right, such right. great touch. Uh, had had a lot of shots where he rose right over the defense and and laid the ball right up on the rim and it just rolled off. So I don't think that's like it, it's nothing to be really concerned about. He did have a couple of sidestep threes that that he really patented after the Indiana game. Uh, that that I thought he went to that just a little bit. A really strong indicator at the beginning of this game, the first shot that he attempted was a 27-foot three or whatever it was, and I don't think that's the way to get him in rhythm. I think you try and find him an easy shot at the rim next time and, and see if he could just see the ball go through the net once, and then he has a great going when he has it going the rest of the game. 
I haven't had a chance to talk to you about him kind of macro scale as much as I have my peers here at DMVR. Are you, are you seeing what the rest of us are seeing? Are you watching Michael Porter Jr. and thinking, all right, man, it's, we know the injury concerns. We know the sort of low baseline from in the mental standpoint, knowing where to be on both sides of the ball. But this talent level, right, that this guy's working with, this is a top 15, top 10 player in the world type of talent. Am I wrong? Am I am I overreacting, Ryan? Uh, I think that top 10 is, is a little bit forward uh, just because he still has so much to, to continue to grow. Uh, the defense is always going to be there. It's always going to be a concern. I don't know if he's ever going to be like, a guy who puts up 30 on a consistent basis, he might be, uh, he, he might get that many shots when he's playing in Denver, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a consistent thing. I do think he has the potential to be the second best player on this team for sure. I'm super high on Jokic and continue to be high on whatever he does and think that he can be a top five player for the next, uh, seven years. We'll call it. Uh, I don't know if Porter can ever, reach that or like I don't know how much confidence I have that he could reach that I think it's within the possibility to be clear he has the physical gifts and there's there's no doubt in my mind that if he puts it all together he looks a lot like Kevin Durant just without a little bit of Kevin Durant's ultimate shake like his ability to get to the rim off the dribble uh Porter's just a little bit more stiff than that but hey even when you don't have that he that could still be a top 10 player could still be a top 15 guy he may not be a a generational star, but he's as close as you can come to it, at least having that potential without actually having it. So I'm really high on him. I think he's got to be a part of their future, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting by the playoffs. And maybe it's seemingly a Jokic player, right? I was worried before I knew much about his game, just sort of watching the AAU highlights and all that. You're like, okay, is this guy... Just going to be, a, I need the ball in my hands. You know, I dribble the air out of the ball. I don't look to pass. But the way he, he plays and the way he cuts um, and the way he looks to score, which is not necessarily a, a jack it up, force it type deal, which is why I thought tonight was kind of an outlier. He can really find points within the flow and the rhythm of a Jokic offense. And I think the chances of them being a really, really dynamic pairing offensively are are pretty high. You know, and even then, like I, I'm looking at his shot chart again. He only had three mid-range jumpers, and I know one of them was a, a shot that he tried to get back to the corner, but he had a toe on the line. So if, if you even knock that one out, he only had two mid-range jumpers on a night that he shot the ball 15 times. He gets up a lot of threes. He gets to the rim. You are absolutely right. He is a Jokic ball player maximizing the locations on the floor that Jokic makes teams so great at. I, I am I am very high on their individual fit and think that they can be a massively important pairing. I was looking at some of the uh, net ratings for, for different pairings, uh, different levels of pairings, and one of the duos, one of their best offensive duos this year is the Jokic-Porter duo. Uh, before tonight, it was a 123.1 offensive rating, and that is ridiculous. I know that people don't really care as much about the individual number, but just know that they're putting at they're putting up points at a ridiculous rate when they're on the floor together. It's really encouraging. And if he can stay on the floor, if he can continue to show that he can do this as a starter, oh man, look out. This this is 
going to be game changing for the Denver Nuggets for the next few years. Is he going to factor into the playoffs at all? Do you seeing what you've seen? He has does, to. He has to, right? If oh, if you're Denver, you have oh, to yeah. look at this like our highest ceiling this season, not next year. It includes this guy having figured it out by April, no? Absolutely. He doesn't necessarily need to play 30 minutes. He might have to. He might be in a position where that's Denver's best option. He might be Denver's Rodney Hood in a series uh, with the with the Blazers where they were playing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and they needed a third guy. Denver's two guys could be Jokic and Murray and they may, they may need Porter to go help them win a series. It would not surprise me at all if that was his ultimate role. Rodney Hood started off the bench in that series against Denver, ultimately ultimately moved into the starting lineup and became just such a massively important figure because of his height, because of his shooting ability. Porter has that in spades. If he, it, it doesn't even necessarily matter that the defense is a struggle. He has the physical tools to be able to mitigate that at least a little bit. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. Uh, I, I'm a little bit worried, of course, that, that if, if they decide to lean into the defense a little bit more, that things could go amiss with that. But Porter had 15 points on 15 shots, and that was one of his worst games over the past few games. Uh, that's That's production that you just can't change. All right, Ryan, when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about some of the lineups we've seen in this injury season, some of the lineups we may see or you would like to see as the Nuggets work their way back to full health. I know you're always kind of looking at rotations, two three-man pairings, so we'll chop it up a little bit. But first, I got to talk to the DNVR listeners about Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's is locally owned and operated with a thousand varieties of beers. They have wines from all around the world, fine single malts and rare whiskeys. Download their app today and use promo code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. This offer ends January 31st. They have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, or you can get your purchase conveniently delivered to you. Remember, that's code FIRST10, F-I-R-S-T, 10 like the number, to receive 10% off your first order of $25 or more. All right, let's get back to the show. Ryan, an interesting lineup to close the game tonight. There was no point guard. They went with point thrill, I think. It was it was Barton, it was Gary at the two, Craig at the three, Grant at the four, Jokic at the five. Um, what'd you think of that that unit that closed the game? Uh, it, and it was also the one that they started with. I was really surprised that, that they didn't start Monte Morris tonight. And right. Part of that is probably just because of the matchup with Drew Holiday being pretty big for a point guard, Lonzo Ball being massive for a, t- a, a two guard, basically. Uh, I was I was interested, but if you if you saw at the end of that game that it really just kind of devolved into Jokic doing Jokic stuff, and he he kind of tired out, had played a lot of the game, had carried a lot of the load on both ends, and. And he almost kind of shot the the Pelicans back into the game just because there wasn't another threat on the court to really consistently yeah. do stuff. Uh, you had Will Barton was 4 of 14 tonight. Jeremy Grant, 5 of 14. Gary Harris, 3 of 12, 0 of 4 from 3. Uh, there's not enough offense in that lineup for my liking. Not enough creation in that lineup in a clutch situation. It's one of the reasons that Murray is so important. So... I'd like to see Porter close those games. 
I, I know that that's probably a hot take for uh, the the Nuggets personnel specifically, just because he he hasn't probably earned that yet, but he has the potential to make a massive difference. Even Malik Beasley in that closing lineup would give them just a little bit more spacing. I thought Beasley was great tonight. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just I I think they need something in addition to Jokic and. Barton has been a little bit less efficient over the last few games. So that's a, that's a point of contention for these next few. There's always the argument that if you're taking MPJ off an already depleted bench with Grant up there with the starters, I mean, what does that leave the second unit? But the starters have just, I, they've sort of been sputtering offensively, I've thought, especially with Craig out there and, and multiple times now to close these games. It's looked really clunky and Jokic has looked really exasperated as opposed to super in control, which we're kind of used to see him um, closing game. So I do think it's time. I do think it's time to see MPJ out there to finish these games and just have that look offensively. Because whatever Craig's individual defense is giving you across four quarters, it just never seems to be like when I'm weighing this against like needing a bucket in crunch time, it never seems to be worth it when, I don't know, when Jokic just has that look on his face late in games, which is... There's no, there's nowhere to go with the ball. No one's moving. No one's cutting. All right, fine. I guess I'll shoot it. Yeah, and and one of one of the keys, especially with Murray out, might be they're they're probably going to go without a point guard on a consistent basis. They're probably going to run Barton at the point. So maybe the thing that they do is run Craig at the two, so that he can defend those opposing mm-hmm. guards, those opposing wings. Then you put Michael Porter Jr. at the three, Jeremy Grant at the four, Jokic at the five. That way you continue to develop that that Jokic, Grant, Michael Porter Jr. look that's going to be really important going forward. And it's also a pretty good lineup. It's also a really consistent lineup that can, that can switch pretty much everything, that has a lot of length, that has enough shooting in it to, to kind of make it work. And if you're, if you're Barton, you have at least a, a nice target in Michael Porter Jr. to throw the ball out to on the perimeter. And those guys are going to offensive rebound. And that's a, a really important piece of this, as we have seen and saw tonight and going forward. That's that's a, a really interesting piece. So Morris, uh, I, I, he only played 14 minutes. I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I think that the, the future for Denver has to be long, big athletes and guys that can play a little bit of defense and create their own shot. It's funny. Suddenly this team is so long. I remember when the Nuggets had none of that you know just two seasons ago and now they have all these different kind of looks they can throw at you um speaking of 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 size jared vanderbilt second straight game where okay he was playing in a denver Nuggets uniform but we didn't really get the look at him that we'd like to given that there's so many injuries this isn't typical nuggets basketball he's kind of being thrown into the fire Uh, only four minutes tonight obviously Uh, and we did see that that he struggled around the rim a little bit uh you know he just doesn't have that touch yet. Are you? Are we going to see him make any impact over this stretch, or was tonight maybe reflective of okay, Jared Vanderbilt still has a really long way to go? Yeah, I think I think he's probably going to be under ten minutes on a consistent basis, kind of like that that Porter rotation at the beginning of the season, where he only really came in for the the first stint off the bench to to give them a, a little break. Grant played thirty seven minutes tonight and. While Millsap and, and Plumley are out, I kind of see that being how it is going forward. 
I don't think that they trust Jared Vanderbilt, and I don't really see any reason for them to. Uh, and that's not a shot at Jared Vanderbilt. He's still super young, still has a long way to go, can be a, a really massive, really important player for them going forward in future seasons. But he's just not ready. He had some really easy shots at the rim uh, on one possession today where it was just an easy missed layup. He grabbed the offensive rebound, had an easy putback, and just missed that too. Just doesn't really have the touch around the rim yet to really make an impact. And while the rebounding is awesome, I just think that that's, that's not as important as being in the right position consistently on a defensive basis. Plumley probably going to be out for <clears throat> another three weeks, right? At least until he's reevaluated. Yeah. Games with Houston, Memphis, Utah, Milwaukee, Detroit coming up. Does Denver try to survive this way? Do they pick up a, a center off the, off the scrap heap? Who would that be? Do you have any thoughts on their their big man desperation? Man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody that they pick up could be better than what we saw tonight with Grant as the small ball five and, and Porter at the four. I thought mm. that that was a really fun lineup and a really good option for them. And it fell apart on a couple of occasions, but I think overall it's still something that I would explore. It's still something that I would consider. Grant at the five is a really important wrinkle for them in the playoffs when they need to switch everything, when they need to go small or if teams are fouling Plumley to make sure that he is at the free throw line and he just is missing free throws. And that could be a really important piece of this. If Grant can do that, you have to find out. Like You, you have to be able to go mm-hmm. to that in certain situations. So I would be more comfortable exploring that. Maybe they do pick up somebody, but I don't think that they would pick them up with the intention of playing them, or at least they would play the the Jared Vanderbilt four minutes role. Yeah, and there's no there's no noise right now that we're hearing about any trades. Of course, the trade deadline's fast approaching. A couple of names on Denver that are potential candidates to be moved, given that they're expiring, um, namely Malik Beasley, who played. I think what did he play like eighteen minutes tonight? Yeah, that's minutes. the number. We've talked recently, the DNVR Nuggets crew, about the possibility of looking at this Beasley situation and saying, okay, do we need to trade him for a pick just to get some value back when we're in a situation where we already have a rotation chock full of of appropriate talent? Do we need this pick? Do we want this pick versus the potential risk of, hey, let's keep Beasley. Let's keep our best shooter to fight for that two seed, to have him in the postseason and maybe we don't have to swallow a poison pill deal in RFA this summer. Where are you at with Malik Beasley? Um, would you trade him? Do you expect the Nuggets to trade him? Yeah, I just keep coming back to the Nuggets really need to have an internal conversation about whether they expect him to play a role when everybody's healthy. If if he is to play a role, and and if he is to be a guy that at least plays 10 minutes per game in a playoff series, I don't think you trade him. Or if you're going to trade him, you have to trade him for an upgrade at that position. So I don't know. I think that the, the center position is is pretty pressing. And especially because Plumlee's on an expiring deal and they don't know who's going to be that backup going forward. I mean, Bull Bull, for all his potential, for all his Instagram followers, is he's still a stick figure. Uh, not sure if he's somebody that they can count on in that situation. So if, if your only options are Millsap at the five or Grant at the five, if Plumlee is out, 
then that's that's a tough that's a really tough situation. So I would give credence to it just because I don't think that he's going to play a role. I just I I can't see it. I can't see Malone going that route. They've they've tried to play Gary Harris in that situation. Torrey Craig can play in that situation, although he's not necessarily a three point shooter. I think that Malone's going to prefer to play Craig's consistent defense over Beasley's three point shooting in that situation. So and if he has to play Porter, then he's going to want to play Craig at the two. So I I would consider selling Beasley and even if you're trading Beasley for a pick, you have to look at it not from the perspective of that pick necessarily being a player. That pick is an asset that you could then flip in mm. another deal. And that's really important. If they can get a first round pick for Malik Beasley, they should probably do it. It's that's just that's my opinion. If if it's if it's like not super heavily top twenty five protected or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't know what they do. It, it could go either way, honestly. All right, Ryan, I am uh, I'm out here. Unless you got anything you just want to get off your chest, anything you want to plug, any take you want to rip off? Uh, nothing really I want to plug. Just just make sure to go over to Denver Stiffs, support us, have a have a, a good time in the comment sections commenting, uh, talking with the, the crew over there. We're going to try to have some more consistent content flowing out over the next couple of weeks. We'll have some trade deadline coverage like, like the DNVR crew, so going to be a lot of fun i think if i had a take it's that michael porter jr is uh god's son he's that's just that's just who he is uh so careful we're in colorado you're you're going to offend someone we'll just leave it at that and and see what see whether people send me some hate mail ryan i appreciate you brother it's been too long always fun to talk hoops with you um following along at stiffs big fan of your work as i've been from the beginning uh good talking to you buddy Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Good luck, you guys. All right. That's going to do it for the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Thank you to Ryan for coming on. Thanks to you for listening. Hey, check out the podcast post on the actual website, thednvr.com. If you leave a question there, we will get to it on the next podcast. Um, so ask your questions. Or that's that's kind of how we're doing these in the mailbags. Um, we're going to get to those subscriber questions first and foremost also on monday i'll be hosting a live uh not live and ask me anything on instagram not reddit so that's an ig ama if you go you can see a post now on twitter i tweeted it out retweeted it from the dnvr account just leave your questions there and i'll get to them on monday all right everyone we'll talk to you next time As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Gosh, I really hope you know that. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over free Sonicare and make it easier for you to keep taking care of your teeth. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today.